Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time Tonight we're going to spend an evening in the studio with John Lennon, George Harrison, pianist Nicky Hopkins, bassist Klaus Vorman, and drummer Alan White as they perfect Lennon's scathing song, How Do You Sleep, from his second solo album, Imagine, with volume six of the Beatles' recording sessions. In May of 1970, a month after Paul McCartney had announced the Beatles' breakup via a self-penned interview in his eponymous debut solo album, Rolling Stone published Lennon's response, in which he depicted McCartney as taking credit for the breakup when in fact he, Harrison, and Starr had each left the band during the group's tenure. He saw it as self-serving and was angry that he had kept the group's demise under wraps under advisement by Alan Klein after he announced that he was leaving the band in September of 1969. Fast forward six months and Lennon and Yoko Ono are in New York visiting friends and filming Up Your Legs Forever and Fly with avant-garde filmmaker Jonas Mekas. While there, he planned on meeting McCartney to discuss the problems with Apple, but McCartney canceled the meeting. Lennon said he wasn't planning on showing up anyway, but that was probably just talk. While in New York, Lennon was interviewed by Rolling Stone's founder and editor, Jan Wenner, and in typical Lennon fashion, attacked what he believed was the myth of the Beatles, and therefore attacked the members of his former band, as well as producer George Martin, Apple press agent Derek Taylor, publisher Dick James, manager Brian Epstein, author Hunter Davies, and even Mick Jagger. Ironically, the interview was conducted on December 8th, 10 years before Lennon was assassinated. On December 31st, 1970, McCartney filed a lawsuit against the three other ex-Beatles and their company Apple in order to legally dissolve the group. McCartney had a number of reasons for filing the suit. The Beatles had ceased to perform together as a group, so there was no purpose in continuing their partnership. Secondly, McCartney stated that he had never been given audited accounts during the four years of their partnership. The last reason was that the other three Beatles had, despite McCartney's opposition and in breach of their partnership contract, appointed Alan Klein and his ABCO as their exclusive business manager. This was the main reason for the lawsuit, and eventually McCartney's doubts about Klein's scruples were proven. McCartney elaborated on the situation. Talk about traumas. Not only was the Beatles broken up, this fabest of groups and these nicest of people, the other three Beatles, these true buddies of mine from way, way back, these truest friends of mine were now my firmest enemies overnight. Ever since I was a child, I'd been in this group. I'd grown up in this group. This was my school, my family, my life. John Eastman said, you've got to do it this way. There's no other way. I said, I can't do it. Can you imagine the perception of the world? I know what public relations I'm going to get. I know how the press will perceive it. I was just trying to walk away from them and keep low key, but I couldn't. I knew I had to do it. It was either that or letting Klein have the whole thing. All the fortune we'd worked for all our lives since we were children. But we did rescue the Beatles' millions. They had taken us long enough to earn, and we hadn't screwed anyone to earn them, and I always thought it was very clean money compared to the shipbuilders and the great sugar fortunes. No one had to buy our records. We'd kept people in work at the vinyl factories. We'd worked for this, scraped our own fingers to the bone. So we felt good about that, and I felt good about hanging on to it. In March of 71, the judge ruled in McCartney's favor, 
and the combined financial affairs of the former Beatles were placed in the care of a receiver until mutually accepted terms for their breakup could be found. So while Klein retained a position in the post-breakup solo careers of Harrison, Starr, and Lennon, he was no longer in charge of their affairs as the Beatles. But it didn't take long for Lennon and Harrison to sour on Klein. By mid-72, Klein's handling of Harrison's Bangladesh relief effort angered the ex-Beatle. He had already been questioned about the foundation's charity status, but Klein drew more unwelcome attention after New York Magazine published an article that accused him of pocketing $1.14 on each copy of the live album, more than 10% of each sale. This raised a red flag and caused the three former Beatles to question his conduct in their business affairs. Lennon also felt that Klein didn't support his and Yoko Ono's politically focused work, such as the couple's 1972 album, Sometime in New York City, and in early 73, Lennon, Harrison, and Starr let Klein know that they would not be renewing his management contract when it expired in March. Lennon told an interviewer at the time, let's say possibly Paul's suspicions were right, and the timing was right. But in 1971, Lennon didn't feel that way about his former bandmate and songwriting partner. In December 1970, Paul and Linda ran a holiday greeting in the trade publications, dressed as clowns in a bag, something that Lennon felt was a dig at his well-publicized art pieces with Ono. Following the release of McCartney's Ram LP in May 1971, Lennon felt that he had been attacked again by his former partner. But in this case, it was within the grooves of the album. So he shot back with How Do You Sleep?
Lennon told Crawdaddy Magazine in 1971, I heard Paul's messages in Ram. Yes, there are, dear reader. Too many people going where? Missed our lucky what? What was our first mistake? Can't be wrong? I mean, Yoko, me, and other friends can't all be hearing things. So to have some fun, I must thank Alan Klein publicly for the line just another day. A real poet. Some people don't see the funny side of it. Too bad. What am I supposed to do, make you laugh? It's what you might call an angry letter sung. Get it? Lennon felt that McCartney kept his digs obscure on Ram, and that most people didn't notice. But Lennon heard them and stated, Well, hang up being obscure. I'll just get right down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, no help with the lyrics of How Do You Sleep, as did Klein, who was worried about a libelous line about McCartney plagiarizing his song yesterday. The original line was, The only thing you done was yesterday. You probably pinched that bitch anyway. During the session, Starr came by and told Lennon, That's enough, John. But McCartney wasn't done. And in November of 1971, he gave a candid interview to Melody Maker magazine and spoke about Lennon, Ono, Klein, The Beatles, and How Do You Sleep. How Do You Sleep? I think it's silly. So what if I live with straights? I like straights. I have straight babies. It doesn't affect him. He says the only thing I did was yesterday. He knows that's wrong. I used to sit down there and play, and John would watch me from up here, and he'd really dig some of the stuff I played to him. He can't say all I did was yesterday because he knows, and I know, it's not true. The interview upset Lennon, and he wrote a letter to Melody Maker in response, attacking McCartney with venom, stating, So you think Imagine ain't political? It's working-class hero with sugar on it for conservatives like yourself. You obviously didn't dig the words. Imagine. You took How Do You Sleep so literally. Read my own review of the album in Crawdaddy. Your politics are very similar to Mary Whitehouse's. Saying nothing is as loud as saying something. But the same month that Lennon's letter was published in Melody Maker, he told Cashbox Magazine, there's really no feud between me and Paul. It's all good, clean fun. No doubt there will be an answer to sleep on his next album, but I don't feel that way about him at all. It works as a complete song with no relation to Paul. It works as a piece of music. I started writing it in 1969, and the line, So Sergeant Pepper Took You By Surprise, was written about two years before anything happened. There was always a musical difference between me and Paul. It didn't just happen last year, but we've always had a lot in common, and we still do. The thing that made the Beatles what they were was the fact that I could do my rock and roll and Paul could do the pretty stuff. But hardly a week goes by when I don't see and or hear from one of them. See right through there 
going on to slate 12.
pretty face may last a year or two. solo again. You keep going ahead.
Sergeant Pepper took you by We're back with Volume 6 of the Beatles Recording Sessions. How do you sleep? So Sergeant Pepper took you by surprise You better see
Mistake you made. 
do rhythms is hit hit you like that. Should the both pianos do it too? Okay, well both, uh, everybody do it then. Everybody do it. Yeah, everybody do it then. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Yeah? Yeah, if it's too long, I won't repeat the first verse again. We can just go out after Nikki solo, then how do you sleep? What do you think? No, it goes two verses, George's solo, then How Do You Sleep, then A Pretty Face, then Nicky's solo. Maybe we should go out after Nicky's solo, out on the How Do You Sleep, then. I think that might be long enough. Does everybody get the picture? Uh, after the, uh, since you've gone, you just another day, How Do You Sleep, that verse. There's two verses, solo, verse solo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's late 15 now. What? So far. Okay, let's go from the top then. What, what, who are the basic rhythm instruments? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So Sergeant Pepper took you by surprise You better see right through that marble's eyes Those freaks was right when they said you Mistake you 
sing the solo from George's solo one two one two three four After the basic tracks for How Do You Sleep were completed, overdubs were needed. Not only was acoustic piano added by John Cowett in addition to Nicky Hopkins' Wurlitzer electric piano from the basics, but three acoustic guitars played by Ted Turner, Rod Linton, and Andy Davis were overdubbed, as well as a string section by the Flux Fiddlers. When the Imagine album was released, How Do You Sleep was mixed in mono rather than stereo like the rest of the album. We're going to close the show tonight with a new stereo mix of the song done by yours truly.
Well, that's it for this time, Beatles fans. I hope you enjoyed Volume 6 of the Beatles Recording Sessions, John Lennon's How Do You Sleep? I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, Volume 1, 1962-1963, and the Steely Dan FAQ, All That's Left to Know About This Elusive Band. Tune in to hear more deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, solo cuts, live tracks, and much, much more. You can pick up the books on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any of your favorite booksellers. And you can pick up my new CD, The Steely Dan Sessions, Interpretations of Unrealized Classics, at anthonyrobostelli.com, CD Baby, iTunes, or you could stream it on Spotify or any of your favorite providers. You could also stream past shows on Podbean and iTunes. You could follow me on Instagram and Twitter, Shady Bear BKLYN, and like the Facebook page for I Want to Tell You and the Steely Dan FAQ. See you next time.